Good morning, Journey. Good to see you all. My name is Chris. Really glad to share this space with all of you today. Uh, we could be anywhere else doing anything else. It is a glorious day outside as well. And yet here we are gathered in this building together. And so uh, I'm thankful that we get to have this time with one another. Before we uh, dive into our time of preaching this morning, I want to share a little bit of a Journey family update with all of you. I'm not, I'm not sure if you've noticed this, but the snow is gone. Mostly. And I just jinxed us. So prepare yourself for a snowstorm in the middle of the week. Uh, but at least there's no ice on the roads, right? And, and you also, you might have felt a little something. That's warmth, right? They're the beginnings of it anyway. The, the, the world is warming up here in Bozeman. And so as a church, we are well aware that with the joy of our two months of summer, comes the beauty of being outside, right? Camping, fishing, hiking, barbecues, boating, walking, running, playing with dogs, or our favorite pastime, hitting golf balls into bodies of water, right? or whatever other glorious summer fun things we like to do. So with that awareness, it's that we'll have a little bit different summer worship gathering schedule. Beginning on June 10th, what we're going to do is we're going to only have gatherings at 8.30 and 10. And so for those of you who are here at 10 right now, this will still exist. Although we know we're probably going to put a little extra pressure on the 10. So if you're like, ah, maybe I'll get up a little bit earlier, come and join us at 8.30. There will be no 11.30 a.m. gathering beginning on June 10th until we bring it back on September 9th. So that's right, you and me and everyone else should be outside floating down the lower Madison by 11.30. We'll be set, okay? We'll be on the river ready to go. But, but really what we wanna do is, is, is twofold. We want to embrace the, the season of recreation, of, of just being out in our community, being active. So don't just be like, ah, cool, no church, but go and be with people. Be with your family and engage the world around you, but engage what uh, beautiful place we live in at the same time in all of that. And maybe get an early start on your Sunday and come and join us at 8.30, uh, kind of launch you into that. So again, beginning on June 10th, there will be no 11.30 a.m. gathering and it'll be back on September 9th, okay? Okay, if you have questions, please email John Oakland and he'll take care of you on that. Uh, okay, so there you go, that's the update. Now we have reached my favorite time of the day, the sermon. And, and it's likely that this is my favorite time because I'm an only child and this is the moment that revolves centrally around me speaking. And, and that's something I enjoy. And I'm only kind of joking. Uh, that's probably something I would say to my counselor. Anyway, glad you're all here because what we're doing is we're diving in to our series that we've been calling The Kingdom is Like. And what we've been doing is we've been exploring what the kingdom of God is like. At the outset of Jesus' ministry, he declares right away that the kingdom of God is near in our midst, it's at hand, right? The rule and reign of God is visible in Jesus as he begins his ministry. And all throughout the gospels, Jesus doesn't stop preaching about and acting and describing the kingdom of God. 
It's so central to the way Jesus lives and preaches that the one time we have record of him teaching his followers to pray, he says, pray like this. May God's kingdom come soon. So really, the kingdom of God is kind of a big deal, which begs the question, how do we describe the kingdom of God? Well, let's ask Jesus And I'm sure it'll immediately make perfect sense. Here's what we find in Mark 4, beginning in verse 30. Jesus himself said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? Which is helpful because that's the question we're asking as well. He says, what story should I use to illustrate it? Then he says this, he says, it's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. That's the kingdom of God. You got it? Not quite, right? Not quite. Let's pray and pray that God might give us ears to hear and minds to understand and eyes to see. And then we'll dive into what this parable might have for us. God, again, we just thank you for the gift of gathering together. I thank you that we can share space with one another and you are already in our midst. You are already among us. And so we, we welcome you and we invite you to teach us, to speak to us, to, to move and act in our lives. As I just said, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive what it is you have for us? Would, would your word fall on good soil this morning, Lord, as we take note of what the kingdom of God is like. And God, I pray that you would give me your words to speak, that I wouldn't say anything that's not for you or from you, that the words I speak would honor you and glorify you and make much of you. And God, we give you this time again this morning. May it be a blessing to you and may it be a blessing to us. We love you. It's in your name we pray, amen. So before we figure out what the heck Jesus is saying in this parable, we have to answer this question first. What is a parable? Because Jesus is constantly teaching in parables. The two verses after the verses I just read, Mark actually accounts that Jesus always taught in parables. He always used parables when he preached. And so it seems like that's a pretty important thing for us to understand. What is a parable? Because my guess is that's not typically how we interact with one another is by speaking in parables. So it's unique to the way Jesus teaches. Parables up front, they are not answers, which is ironic because it was a response to a question, but it's not an answer. Rather, it's an invitation to enter into a conversation and begin to think. What parables do is they help us prioritize. They help us prioritize what matters and why. They don't just tell you what to do or what it is or something plain. If that was the case, Jesus wouldn't have used a parable. He would have just told us straight up what to do, what to think, what to be. There's something about a parable that causes us to engage in in active learning with it. And every parable then must be approached in its own right. We can't assume that every parable functions like another parable. Each one we come to as its own thing. 
And yet, as scholar Klein Snodgrass says, which is a beautiful name, isn't it? Klein Snodgrass. (laughs) He says, the immediate aim of a parable is to be compellingly interesting. And in being interesting, it diverts attention and disarms. A parable's ultimate aim is to awaken insight, stimulate the conscience, and move to action. All of that in just two sentences from Jesus. Or to put it another way, my words, a parable is not what you think it is, but it kind of is, you know, sometimes. Parables are hard. However, all parables address questions. So let's revisit the question that Jesus is asking. Jesus asks in Mark 4, verse 30, how can I describe the kingdom of God? Jesus himself is asking that question. He says, what story should I use to illustrate it? What parable should I use to illustrate it? So just imagine Jesus having this conversation with his followers, being like, hey, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What parable should I use this time to tell you all about it? And then he says, it is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. And again, we're left. Huh? What? So first, pertaining to the kingdom of God, Because that's what he's trying to answer and describe. Jews or disciples of Jesus or otherwise, they did not need to be told that the kingdom was coming. They already knew that. And they already believed that. That was already an expectation they had. What they needed to know was that the future kingdom was already present in Jesus' teaching and work. Jesus wanted to communicate to them that through what he was doing is what God's kingdom was intended to be all along. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he is talking about himself on some level. He's saying, pay attention to the way in which I live my life because this is what the kingdom looks like manifested in this world. And so that's this big picture, but this parable of the mustard seed has a basic understanding to it. Like when you read it, or you hear me read it a couple times, you might have an idea of perhaps what it means. And so the basic meaning is this. The kingdom of God starts small, like a seed planted in the ground and then flourishes into a plant with branches and shade. So then why did Jesus tell us a parable to tell us that? Right, I think there certainly must be more as we plumb the depths of this parable, as we spin the jewel of Jesus' parable telling, right? Because all of us can go, oh yeah, I get it. There There was a seed and then there was a flourishing plant. There was something more there. So we have three parts in this parable. The first part is the mustard seed, a small mustard seed. And if I was like Bob, I would have had a table of props and I would have had a mustard seed on it. However, I might have a mustard seed. You don't know. It's too small and you can't see it from there anyway. Which is the point, right? We have a small mustard seed. (laughs) Second, in this parable, we have a plant with branches, 
right? A mustard plant grows into a plant with branches. And then the third thing that we have, the third part is we have birds taking shelter in the shade of these branches. So let's first look at the small mustard seed. It kills me. I crack myself up. If the kingdom is like a small mustard seed, then the reality is that we must look close. We must look hard. We must pay attention, right? Do you see it? Have you even tried? Have we gotten down on our hands and knees and looked at the seed planted in the ground because that is where the kingdom of God begins? kingdom of God is like a small mustard seed planted in the ground. And yet then we must ask ourselves, why might we resist the ideas that the kingdom of God is like a seed planted in the ground? Why is that strange to us? Why would that be potentially unsettling? Because perhaps because we question, is the kingdom of God really small, easy, to lose, in need of work, seemingly insignificant? Because those are not necessarily our favorite descriptors. And yet still, a small seed is packed with potential. However, the reality is still that with a seed, one can do very little. There is only so much you can do with just a seed. But... With the plant that it produces, much can now be gained. The mustard plant offers more than a single person can use. Mustard is actually medicinal and curative, especially if you put it on a hot dog at a baseball game. You feel great for a moment. No, but mustard is actually medicinal and curative, and available to everyone. Mustard is simply part of the good world that God gives. But it is also, in this parable, a plant with long branches. Perhaps Jesus meant for us to take note that mustard is medicinal and curative and available to everyone, because that is certainly who Jesus is. One who offers us healing and is available to everyone. But it's also a plant with long branches. And in those long branches, the birds come and make their nests. And so we see that the kingdom is something that we're all invited to partake in. This kingdom life is for everyone. And the picture is those birds coming and making their home in the shade of the plant. Again, when we want to know what the kingdom is like, we always look to the way of Jesus to guide us in that. How did he live his life? What were the things he did? And this parable of the mustard seed, it's a short parable. It's only a couple sentences, right? It's found in the gospels of Matthew and Luke and Mark which seems to communicate to us that it was told often on multiple occasions because they all have a little bit different variations of it. It was used to communicate this message over and over and over again. And yet, 
if our interpretation of the parable doesn't raise more questions, if it doesn't open up more conversation, if it creates something that's neat and tidy, perhaps we must go back and read it again. Perhaps there's more there. The kingdom is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants, which is not as big as we think it is. It's a garden plant, not an oak tree. It's the kind of plant you put in a garden. It probably grows about this high. How many of you are familiar with the mustard plant? Yeah, few, yeah, exactly. That's about what it is every single time in a group this size, five of us have seen a mustard plant, right? I only know what it is because I Googled it because I knew I was gonna talk about it. And something that's unique about the greatest of garden plants is that it's really, really, really hard to get rid of. It just keeps coming back again and again. And this great garden plant it grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. The kingdom of God is like an unnoticed seed, but what it produces cannot be missed. For no seed is or should be insignificant, for each seed contains life in it, but only if it's planted in the ground. It has to go somewhere and be and do what it was intended to be. Give us eyes to see the life of the kingdom and the potential of a small seed. As John was sharing about Mother's Day, I couldn't help but get this picture coming to my mind of what happened last Sunday. Again, if you were here, it was a beautiful day for sure. But something unique was happening beneath the surface of that day. We as a church family chose to forego inviting a Christian artist to, to come and play and honor mothers in that way. And instead we took that funding that is like a small seed and we planted it in the ground and we believed that God might do something with that. And then as John just ran off the numbers as John is prone to do, he says over the next year, what will come out of this church family is over $50,000 worth of investment in the poor and marginalized in this world. What began as a small seed in the ground, we have chose to let grow and flourish and bring healing and shade and shelter to those in need. I couldn't even get the next picture out of my mind either when he was talking that all of that occurred on Mother's Day in which we celebrate all of the array of motherhood. But we all know that that begins, life begins in the womb as something so small and it grows over time into a human life that flourishes. We just see this picture play out in the world over and over again if we have eyes to see. In a seed we see potential. But it is potential that needs to be activated. Perhaps a small action, something small, right? Dig a little hole, put the seed in, pat it, water it, take care of it. 
The action is small, but a seed not planted is a seed that will not grow. And so if seeds really have such potential, then why not us? Where must we be planted? Because only then will we embody the kingdom growing from a seed into one who shelters and heals, joining in the work of Jesus, living our kingdom life in the present, awaiting the new kingdom life to come on earth as it is in heaven. It's like the parable just keeps spinning for us. Where will we be planted? How will we be watered? How will we begin to flourish and grow so that our branches might provide shelter and healing to those who need it most. Let me leave us with three last little lessons from the mustard plant. The first one is this. The reality is that some things just need to be left alone. If you tinker with it too much, it's just not gonna grow. If you plant it, you dig it out again, you plant it, you dig it out, you water it, you water, you water, you drown it. There's all of these things that you do to it where you think you're the one in complete control. Well, some things just need to be left alone. Along the same lines, another thing that we learn from the mustard plant is that sometimes we need to just get out of the way. Remove yourself, let the earth do what the earth does for a seed. Again, you can take that picture anywhere you want it to go, but also let us make space for God to do what God intends to do. And lastly, as Amy Jill Levine puts it, don't ask when the kingdom comes or where it is. The when is in its own good time as long as it takes for a seed to sprout. The where is that it is already present, rooted in the world And the kingdom is present when humanity and nature work together and we do what we were put here to do. Go out on a limb for others and even ourselves as well. Jesus begins Mark chapter four by talking about spreading seeds about. He says those seeds are God's word and sometimes those seeds fall on a hard surface and birds pick them off. Sometimes they grow shallow roots. Sometimes they grow with weeds. And sometimes they grow into good soil. And my hope and my prayer is today that God's word would fall on good soil in all of us. And we would allow God to grow what God has all along intended to grow. Branches that flourish and provide shelter and healing for those who need it most. I wanna just give you time to sit with that for a little bit as we close up. Again, there's not really like an ending to a parable. It just keeps going and keeps going. And so I just kind of spin that back to you and invite you to ask God what it is that he might be planting in your life. What is it that he's saying to you? Let's give him the last word and then I'll close us in prayer here in a moment. So take some silence now.
Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are a mystery. And the parables that Jesus teaches are often a mystery to us. And yet we thank you for the gift that they are. As they cause us to ask questions and continue conversations. As they teach us to think and challenge us to learn. To see things unexpectedly. So God, I pray that we would have eyes to see your kingdom in our midst, your kingdom that is at hand, that is near. And may we humble ourselves in such a way where we might have to get down on our hands and knees and look at the ground and find that your kingdom is a seed planted there. God, would you give us eyes to see the potential of life in all of the people that we interact with and see each day. And God, I pray that we would also see that potential for life when we look in the mirror and we see ourselves. That potential that exists in us and in others is a result of your great love for us, God. That you long for us to flourish and grow to become a shelter and a healer to those in need that is your kingdom work in this world, God. So let us see it. Let us pay attention to it. Let us not be surprised by the seemingly insignificant places we find your kingdom at work, growing and sprouting, thriving and flourishing. And God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who shows us what this kingdom life is all about. And we thank you that he willingly goes to the cross and shows us what sacrificial love is to the max. And yet, God, you don't let him stay dead. You raised him to new life through the power of your Holy Spirit. And that same spirit now lives in us so that we can go and be citizens of your kingdom partnering with you in the work you have as heaven meets earth. Dear God, our Father, may your kingdom come soon on earth as it is in heaven. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.